Episode 221 of the Hot Nation USA podcast. And if you're listening, you can maybe possibly tell that we're on Zoom. Uh, but we're on Zoom because we have a good reason to be on Zoom. Our guests tonight are not in Pennsylvania. Yes. So I am happy to be back on Zoom. This is a good reason to be back. Yeah. That Adam gets to chill out and doesn't have anybody in his house. But as you already heard, Adam is with me as always. Say hello. Hello. Although I already kind of kind of talked. Beforehand. properly be nice to the audience oh oh hello audience thank you, you for go. coming back for the hop nation usa podcast and steve is right i am happy nobody is in my house i'm wearing comfy pants right now and it is fantastic you didn't have to clean nothing up left all his dishes oh. in the sink absolutely i'm back in my hovel the way i like it yeah uh but as I mentioned, we have guests, and our guests tonight are the producers, editors, directors, writers, the married team of Aaron Jose and his wife, Brigitte, and they have come together to produce a wonderful film called One Pint at a Time, and it is all about documenting black brewery owners in America, but it also gives a lot more uh, behind the history and culture of brewing, especially as it relates to black Americans. And obviously we met them at Barrel and Flow Fest. So they, they, they came in for Barrel and Flow and uh, I don't know, we just got to talking at some point, but people know that I'm a film buff and I enjoy film. So why would I not have these two on <laughs> to talk about their film? Um, and who but, am I to say no to such things? Right. Yeah. You have to, <laughs> cause I say so, <laughs> but yes, uh, Aaron Brigitte, welcome to the show. Say hello to everybody. Hello. Hello. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Yeah. We appreciate the uh, invitation. Yeah, for sure. Brown and flow is a blast. I wish uh, we could do it again this weekend. <laughs> I don't. My body can't do that kind of stuff too many times. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get to see the aftermath of, of Steve taking his mini vacation at Barrel and Flow. Ooh, had himself a day. We all had ourselves a day. No, we were hurting after you know that day. So, <laughs> but it was it was worth it though. Yeah, it was. Worth oh yeah. It. But uh, we all are back at it again. Of course, uh, we're on a beer podcast, so we're drinking beers, and uh, I'll. I'll I can go first with my beer or Aaron and Brigitte, if you would like to feature your beers first, uh, go on ahead. Sure. I'm having a fifth street hooligans, hazy IPA. I believe it might be even be a double or triple hazy IPA from city built. It's the uh, only Latino owned brewery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we're very, we're very proud to support them. The beer is fantastic. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. And I'm drinking a donut shop, maple, donut, and bacon, imperial, amber <laughs> by Intracoso Brewing Company. So it's a local-ish brewery to Florida. It's in Melbourne. Um, yeah, that's excellent. And um, yeah, I'm ready to try it, actually. I don't remember having tried it before. So this will be a first. Yeah. yeah. 
Right on. Yeah, uh, we've had Intracoastal on the show before. Our co-host, Katie, she's a big fan of Intracoastal. So when she goes down there, she always visits them. And she's brought some back for us in the past. Yes. And we're happy hey, for that. <laughs> they're, they're good people. Their beer is always uh, really good. And they put on a great event every year. I don't know if they did it last year, but Rocky Water Brewfest. It's a fun mm-hmm. event. Yeah, you guys should make you know make your way down to Melbourne for that at some point. I think yeah. it's going on this year still. Yeah, I don't think they did it last year. No, they didn't. Yeah. Awesome, <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll try. I mean, you know, Florida. There's a lot of good in Florida that we haven't been able to get to, but thankfully, you know, we do still get some Cigar City from time to time. <laughs> yes. um, Adam and I we're drinking the same beer currently. And that's because I bought a four pack and then sold him half. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, but the beer we're both drinking currently is from Barrel and Flow, actually. And it's the Desert Wanderer, the stout from Grist House. I wasn't actually able to get this beer at Barrel and Flow because I had had too many. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, too many barley wines from uh, Revolution. But uh, I. I was able to pick up a four pack at Creekside and now I'm able to enjoy this with a fresh palate and a clear head. So I'm very happy about that. Yes. And, uh, and this was a collaboration between Smittix Brewing and Grist House. So this is uh, another fine collab. Uh, and Steve, can you talk about the, uh, the artwork on this as well? Um, so it, like most of the can art that was done for all of these barrel and flow collabs, they tried to get black artists to do the the artwork. And this is one of my favorite ones just because it is the most like an art piece. Uh, but it's a, uh, by Ashante Josie and it has like a real, um, like texture. Like it, it's a textured painting. Yes. It's got it. A, it look, like it's got a good thickness, good layering to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Just like it, I'm trying, I can't remember the actual name of the style of painting, but it's uh, very acrylic. It's not an oil paint, mm-hmm. but I, I forget when it's like raised up and textured like that. My art brain is too dumb right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember liking that beer. Yeah. I did have some, but I, I get you on the VSOJ. I also had a lot of VSOJ. So yeah. I don't blame, I don't blame you for it. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, this is a beer that I wasn't able to get to either. So this will be the first time I've had it. Well, I can tell you drinking it. It is a, it's a dessert stout and gross house is very good at doing that. Mm-hmm. But this one yeah. has very distinct notes of banana on it that mm-hmm. you don't often get. And then it's also um, pretty chocolate and coffee forward. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that just the, the artwork just gives it a whole new whole new twist to it. Now that we know that it's got that that kind of layered look to it, mm-hmm. the style, and then we mm-hmm. come back to the beer and it's got that different layers of of notes. That's just, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yes. Both the both the art and the beer are textured, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, coming back though to Aaron and Brigitte, uh, do you guys have uh, tasting notes that you want to share on your beers? Or we can wait till the end of the segment and you can share your thoughts then if you want. Maybe let's wait till the end. Okay. <laughs> Give you what? more time to think on it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I smelled maple right off the bat on that I'm one. I'm going to let it sit a little bit, you know. That was good. Oh. <laughs> Is that one of the beers where it's kind of a room filler? You open it up and the whole room gets to smell it? <laughs> Not this one. I think we have another one in the fridge, another donut one. I think that one might be happy. Maybe the Boston cream. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. 
Right on. Yeah, that one's it's nice. It's silky. Um, I guess on the nose, a little peach. I don't know. I'm still learning how to dice, you know, dissect flavors in like the. It smells like this. It tastes <laughs> like this. And on the finish, it's like this. To me, it just it, it has to smell good and it has to go down good, and it right just on. has to stay with me, you know, to where I want to have more. Yeah, that's uh, you know, that's this good. one definitely does, and so does that one. And I did like the one you're having too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, a house I had like 60 to 70 different ones. So I'm right. <laughs> there's no way you're going to remember all of them. I honestly don't really think I had a bad one, but there, there are a few that stuck out like the VSOJ, the, uh, Drood by green bench and rhythm brewings, uh, vanilla Porter. Those very much stick out in my mind and abjurations, peanut ale, all of those I remember very clearly. Yes. <laughs> Everything else uh, swirls well, in. Well, well, ten four on the Druid because we've actually had it in the in the cellar where they make it, and mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible. Um, I had no idea that it that it had been bottled until Chris brought it to the event. I was like a kid in a candy store waiting to try it again. Elisa's <laughs> uh, uh, beers is really taking off. Her her lager is Bree's uh, favorite lager. Mm-hmm. Um, the red and um, that vanilla porter is solid. It's like yeah. a, a great any day, nice, you know, kind of roasty, not too sweet, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, have it in the sun, have it during dinner, just as a snack. It, it's, it, it's a great every time porter. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't try the abjuration one. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember which, which ones stood out that I recall. I liked the, the one that two locals had, I forget what it was called. It was kind of a hazy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Traces. I think it was called Thanks or something. I think um, Trace might have been another one I missed, but I've, I mean, they make good beer, so. Mm. <laughs> whatever whatever the, the distillers of Dunord put out, all that stuff was great. All those those spirits. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point I was done with beer, so it <laughs> <laughs> Um, awesome. Yeah, but the BSOJ is unforgettable, and I and I I mean not to be biased, but I I did really like um, the Mexican lager that Four Twelve put out with with our input. Okay, that mango light lager was great. The thin hands, mm-hmm. the the thick fingers was was a little drier than I thought it would be. Um, so you really had to let it sit before you can you know a little bit and warm up to if you can really you know dissect it more. But the the Mexican lager was like mango and more mango and more mango. <laughs> That's just taking me to my childhood, man, from my nose to my tongue, man. It was great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to 412. They make they make Absolutely. a lot of good beers. We've had that yeah. on the show before. Adam, sure. Adam and Sydney were great and, yep. and hosting the tent and, and let us kind of walk around and do our networking too, so that we weren't, you know, there the whole day pouring. Great. And we got to pour a little bit and just kind of get some experience behind the, what is it called? The jockey box. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Learning. Look at me. Lingo man. (laughs) So I guess thanks to them because without them letting you walk around, you wouldn't have bumped into me and we wouldn't have had a show today. (laughs) 
Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but uh, with that, let's actually get into your film a little bit. You were gracious enough to share a preview copy with Adam and I, and we were able to watch it. And I, I one, I want to congratulate you on the film because it is very good. It's very engaging and like it's practically seamless with the exception of like COVID, but it makes sense within the storyline, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise like all of, all of your footage is like very fantastic to look at. It's you know nice and engaging. You have a lot of good things going on. Um, I, but just to give the elevator pitch, you, like let the audience know like what your film is about. So basically the way I pitch it is it's the first feature length documentary that's being that that's been made and being released in a few weeks that's exclusively discusses the black experience in craft beer be that as an influencer a beer brand owner or brewer or and even you know a patron to to a degree because some of the brewers started out as patrons and and recognized the issues that there were in the industry which led them to one start a festival or two become a brewer themselves so yeah that's kind of typically how i like to pitch the film it's the first feature-length documentary about the black experience in craft beer short and simple right on and you did a great job with it um there there's so many documentaries out there about like craft beer anymore you know that you can probably find a documentary for every brewery if you really look for it but uh but you know like you said yours is unique in that it documents the black experience and the i really love kind of the opening maybe five ten minutes of your film because it opens with that very just kind of quiet setting everything up getting you know getting things brewing Mm -hmm. and then it moves into a a lot of like fresh fest you know kind of b-roll while there's an explanation from your other subjects as they explain you know what it means to be a black brewer in america and it it's never even though the the subject matter is very heavy and there's i can see how a lot of people and they're just like they're probably already racist but <laughs> there's there's they are like if anybody gets mad at the film they're just already you know probably a racist but even though the subject matter is heavy in that way th- all the B-roll from Fresh Fest, all the other festivals that you went to, it keeps it very uplifting and has like a very positive message and is put forth in a very positive light. So there's no way you could be mad at anything that you're seeing. It's it, a lot of the messaging races put across is like they're afraid of being replaced, but it's not about replacement. It's about being able to break into an industry that has kept people out for, you know, however long forever. <laughs> So, yeah, I really like the way your film starts and just has that really uplifting kind of hopeful nature of it, even though things, you know, kind of get, you know, like we talk COVID, but, you know, not everything goes to plan. So, yeah, yeah that's that, that's thank you. First of all, thanks for those comments and that, that feedback and coming from someone who understands film that that means a lot, uh, you know, what a lot of people don't don't know, but they'll know by watching your show is that it took us four years to get to this point and, and a lot of footage and, and you, you mentioned COVID and, and for, I would say the vast majority of people, um, it, it was a real, you know, roadblock 
Whereas for us, it, it was to a degree um, in, in other areas of our lives, but story-wise, it needed to be part of the film because that's what we were documenting is the stories, however they panned out, mm-hmm. you know? And You can and, only shoot what's in front of you. Yeah, it, it's however it panned out, you know, we, as we were talking about how the story might flow over the years, it went through different iterations for a number of different reasons. But then the pandemic hit and then there were all the George Floyd things that happened afterwards. And it just gave the film this very narrow focus and path towards, like you said, a very uplifting ending almost Mm -hmm. to where where you feel like, okay, there, you're not to give anything away, but that, that, okay, this is what's going on, but we can do this. We can keep fighting for what we, we believe in and then, you know, the things we're passionate about. So. Right on. What, when did you actually start uh, production on the film? Because I think the, the, this film kind of takes place over years, you know, as you're saying, cause we kind of go through 2020, but also you document the beginnings of fresh fest and you document a lot of other uh, black owned breweries who were starting even earlier than that. But when, did, when did your production of the film actually start? So we started uh, actually shooting during the first Fresh Fest okay. in, in 2018. And some of the footage that, that you're referencing, I know what you're talking about, those uh, particular folks had been doing some self-documentation that they were willing to sign over to us, mm-hmm. which allowed us to kind of better structure their journey and add a little more dramatic effect to, to their story mm-hmm. to kind of also illustrate that these guys have been doing this way before Fresh Fest, <laughs> you know, and this is what they've been dealing with all this time. Nothing's changed, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, 20, 2018 summers when we started shooting. Right on, right on. Yeah. I would say kind of your big three heroes of the film are um, the, obviously alicia at um uh, at rhythm brewing she's kind of your big big star and she puts forth you know a lot of the energy and you know she she's she's a great person to watch but um charisma uh, yes, very much so you also have uh houston who, who uh, is a brewer at uh, uh bastet brewing and i guess that he would be local for the two of you right and, yes. and okay and then and uh became, became a close friend yeah. throughout the production yeah Tampa. excellent Right on. And then uh, Cajun Fire is kind of your other uh, big story that you follow throughout. But I just again to the structure of your film, I really love how you know you have these three hero subjects, but they also lead into the other facets of you know the experience because uh, Houston leads into like the history of brewing, and uh, Elisa is able to speak to uh, like women in brewing and you know their role throughout the years so i yeah i liked how it, it kind of seamlessly transitions from their story to the bigger story and then back again mm-hmm. yep thank you yeah we you know we were able to kind of jump around a little bit and cover all of the other folks that that have been very gracious to us over the years and 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 you know imparting a lot of history knowledge wisdom you know i'm talking about folks like Leticia at beer culture dr j with the Brewers Association, um, you know, Ill Sharpton and, and his leaders at the Brew School up in Atlanta, um, all of the, you know, like Corey from So Brothers and just everyone who had knowledge, even like we, we got 
to spend some time with pink boots, mm-hmm. um, you know, and some of the local folks here in Florida that are trying to make a difference with the, with regards to diversity. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, we were we're happy to able to include everyone, you know, in in a, in a nice structure that makes sense and give let them all shine as much as you know they should be. Mm-hmm. So for the, the the three main stories that we were talking about, were those the stories that you originally wanted to pursue as part of the film or were they things that just sort of popped up through production and you just sort of followed, followed along? Uh, how did they come to be the, the centers of the film? We met two of them at the inaugural Fresh Fest, and which was meant to be more of a networking trip. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I learned kind of by happenstance just about Fresh Fest because I had been following the Pink Boots Society's Facebook page. And there was an, an article that landed in their news feed on Facebook talking about Pittsburgh was going to host the first black beer festival in American history. And I was like, really? There's never been a black beer festival? All this beer? Never, never, ever? And it just dawned on me that I needed to go to Pittsburgh and meet these folks and see if we could connect with anyone who might be interested in participating and telling their stories. And that's kind of how we met John from, from New Orleans and, and Elisa from, from Connecticut. Um, and when we came back from uh, that trip, I, I, you know, after doing some reflection, I realized the kind of the magnitude of what we just documented. So we decided to produce a fresh perspective, which is a short doc just about that first year of Fresh Fest. Hmm. which which went all over the world in, in film festivals and and just that enthusiasm of, of it's the success that it was generating you know got me in contact with all these other folks because they realized that I was you know as they say like legit I was really out there trying to tell tell the story and and I just bumped into Houston by chance we were at a local halfway there yeah, like literally the week after we got back from Fresh Fest, we yeah. went to an event in Tampa called Halfway There, which is halfway to Tampa Beer Week. So they throw a festival oh. halfway to Tampa Beer Week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, we had befriended Sean Nordquist, who's the executive director of the Florida Brewers Guild, and we had interviewed him for the film, and he's in the film. And he's like, yeah, I want to introduce you to, like, someone I think you're going to want to, I know you're going to want to meet. And it happened to be Houston and his wife, and they weren't even there pouring. They were just there as patrons. And we started just shooting the breeze and looking around like, hey, hey, there's like three black people here and two brown people. Yeah, you know, <laughs> 300 people in the room. Was, you know, so we just stayed in contact with Houston and he and his wife, just super nice people, super passionate about beer. And, and you know, we we noticed at the time that that he and his business partner, Tom Ross, had had a brand. Uh, that, that but no space so they kind of had to give their beer away at events and they were home for it mm-hmm. so immediately i told Houston, you got to be in this film because there's a lot to document in the present tense moving forward which can be very interesting and a lot of lessons learned for our audience so that's kind of how we got him on board mm-hmm. awesome and yeah i'm not going to give away where that story goes but it sure it kind of it kind of <laughs> is unfortunate though because like i think we have this same situation here in pa we have three black owned breweries but none of them have a uh, brick and mortar space not yet uh, yeah so that, it's unfortunate um but hopefully one day and you know harris family i've definitely had their beer a number of times and i like it so same here yeah same here <laughs> yeah i had their black is beautiful last year it was good mm-hmm. and i had well, a lot I think, of glass too 
Well, they did a number of Black is Beautifuls last year. So which one did you? <laughs> uh, I think it was. I think it was the one that's in the film, actually. Oh, okay. So okay. the one that they did with the other two breweries, I won't mention their names, so I don't give too much away. Mm-hmm. But I think it was that one. <laughs> and another friend of the show that we won't mention. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh, can you tell us more about kind of your plans for, uh, I mean, I, obviously right now you're going into kind of festival season with the film. Um, uh-huh. Can you tell us more about your plans for festivals and just general hopes for 2022 with your film? Well, I have to say we're, we're, we're very proud um, with the reception that we've had from our first batch of festival submissions. Um, we've actually been invited to 18 festivals so far. And that is just between a few weeks from now until about six weeks after that. So no October and November, um, say fourth week of November, mm-hmm. right before Thanksgiving, 18 festivals. And, and we're going to be traveling to about a third of them personally. Um, and it's, it's going to be a blast. We're going to have our world premiere the weekend of October 10th at the Heartland International Film Festival in Indianapolis. And that same weekend, the Baltimore International Black Film Festival and the Tryon Film Festival will have their regional premieres one in North Carolina, the other one in Maryland. Um, and then there'll, there'll be like this brief period where, where the film will be available um, for rent online on, on their virtual platforms. Oh, okay. And it's just going to be one after the other. We're going to be at um, the Tallgrass Film Festival in Wichita, Kansas, the Montclair Film Festival in New Jersey, where uh, Montclair Brewery is. Mm-hmm. And we're yeah. probably do an event, some kind of special event with them. <laughs> for a couple of days and perhaps an after party at a brewery <laughs> yeah well we, we, we've already, we're in talks with them and the festival to maybe make some kind of do some kind of collab like we did with 412 oh nice and maybe have some kind of tasting events or something um we're going to be having our official florida premiere at the fort lauderdale the 36th fort lauderdale international film festival we're going to have the center florida premiere here in orlando at the orlando film festival um, we'll be going to the 30th St. Louis International Film Festival. I mean, it's <laughs> it's going to be a blast. We're going to be in Brooklyn at the Bushwick Film Festival, Oof. in Minneapolis at the Twin Cities Black Film Festival. Movie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, and, and we already have our first, <laughs> well, we already have our first 2022 invitation at, at Edinburgh in Edinburgh, Texas, at the South Texas International Film Festival. Nice. That's fantastic. You guys, you guys got a full plate for yourselves. <laughs> yeah. So the goal is that, and that's one part of your question. The goal is for us to build up enough of these experiences and connections and momentum to be able to get in front of a, a distributor yeah. mm-hmm. um, who can take us to a platform. So right. we want to be, we want to be on. You know, Hulu, Netflix, uh, HBO Max, or like Amazon Studios, not not the Amazon that you can easily get on. Right, right, like right. Official Amazon Studios, mm-hmm. a prime video platform. And that's kind of where we want to end up at some point next year. But we want to give the film a chance to, to be out there because we've invested four years of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and money mm-hmm. into the film. So we don't want to just hand it off and as a transaction to the first buyer. Right. We want to be out there so we can talk about these issues and 
you know, give breweries opportunities if they want also to have special screenings at their tap rooms and, and want, you know, use the film as educational and training tools. We want to have, you know, produce an educational cut of the film too, that we can distribute to breweries and, you know, and, and brewing curricula across the country so that we have kind of more of a, a grassroots effect on, mm-hmm. on, on this change. You know, I mean, we're, we're not in the beer industry, we're patrons, but we're filmmakers. So this is how we can contribute at least. And, and if there happens to be a good streaming deal on the table, we can also donate a portion of those funds to some of the scholarships that are out there that are, you know, that exist for the advancement of people of color in beer. And there are a couple of those initiatives out there. So that's, those, these are some of the promises that we're making because this is the effort that we put forward when we were making the movie. Is This is what we want to do and it's done. And awesome. we're, we're, we're starting. We're, we're, we're in a very good place right now. Can't that's awesome. Me? The premiere is basically the beginning. Yeah, the beginning exactly. <laughs> it, it's 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 going to be great. It'll be it'll be in a theater, um, and I'm just happy that people are going to the theaters again. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's great. And hey, best of luck to you with your film. I I think you're going to do really well with it. Mm-hmm. Just from what I saw, I I expect big things from it myself. So yeah, best of luck to you. Uh, for now, though, let's come back to the beers that we were drinking, and. We're going to wrap up segment one with tasting notes from Aaron and Brigitte on the beers that they were drinking. All right. So I let mine sit a little bit, right? So I'm having a maple donut and bacon. Um, by, was it again? Intracoastal. So yeah, it's uh, very smooth. It's a smooth drink. I can taste the more the donut part of it than the, than the bacon, you know, in, mm-hmm. in it though. But um I do have an empty stomach, so it's it's going on. <laughs> it's only eight. I think it's only it's only eight point five percent. Oh jeez, only. Yeah. I love it's it. Only eight point five. <laughs> it's below ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I love it. And like I said, I said, you know, I let it sit a little bit. It's warmed up a little bit, so I can you know smell it a little bit better uh, to get the flavors you know better than before. So awesome. I like it. I'm I, probably I, looking like a weirdo here, but there's none of that info on here. I'm trying. It is. It does say double, so this is a double hazy. Okay. Um, but I, it doesn't give like what kind of hops are in it or whatnot, and that's where my palate still needs a lot of training. Because the one thing I can say is, the 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 two hops that I that I can kind of identify and and I love are like citrus and Nelson Savant. Mm-hmm. Because that Nelson Savannah is so sweet and it's like yeah. wine. And the yeah, citrus, yeah, yeah. obviously, you know, you get the kind of the Florida flavor to it. Right. Um, <laughs> but everything else, it's very hard, especially when they start quadruple dry hopping and then oh, yeah. this and that. And I was like, look, as long as it's smooth, it's fresh and it goes down nicely <laughs> and I don't have a belly in it, <laughs> I'm good. It doesn't matter. A- anything I'm more than like... in that regard. Yeah, anything more than like three hops in a beer, you're not gonna really be able to tell much of a mm-hmm. difference. If you can give me Citra and Strata, I can maybe get the Strata. You give me Citrus and Mosaic, I can maybe get the Mosaic. After that, nah. <laughs> yeah, and, and to my own defense, that's not the type of film we set out to make. Mm-hmm. We didn't set out to make it. How do you make the beer? No, yeah. this is about the human stories behind the beer. So obviously, 
the kind of like the ingredi ingredients and the minutia and the temperatures, it's like, it's still relatively Chinese to me. That's, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That's, and that's I'm still going to that, buy the beer if it tastes good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's fine for the film too, because like there's enough of those films out there. Oh, good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just quickly back to the Desert Wanderer by Grist House. It, it's a good stout, but surprisingly, I think we lose on the ABV game this uh, round, Adam, because ours is only seven. And, and right. Brigitte's is seven. Yeah. <laughs> is eight five, and I'm guessing if Aaron has a double, he he might be uh, higher up than us. So, uh, yeah, still a good beer. Lots of great flavors on it. We're gonna take a quick break. Go to segment two. We'll come back and we'll we'll learn a little bit more personally about Aaron and Brigitte and how they got into beer and how they got in the film. So stay tuned. This episode of the Hop Nation USA podcast is brought to you by Stello Mints. It should come as no surprise to you that one third of Americans are living with some sort of extreme stress. There's stress in their life, stress from work, just everything coming at you at once. But that's exactly what Stello Mints are for. They're CBD powered mints, and they will help you feel more calm and clear headed throughout the day. Each tin contains 30 total mints, and they come in three delicious flavors, peppermint, lemon, and matcha, I'm on the matcha. I love green tea. That's my jam. So for a limited time, you can get a completely free sample of Stello Mints, shipping included. Simply go to StelloMints.com and use the code HOPUSA and your order will be converted to a free sample. That's S-T-E-L-L-O Mints.com and use coupon code HOPUSA for a free sample. Welcome back to episode 221 of the Hop Nation USA podcast. It's segment two, and we're still joined by Aaron and Brigitte. And we're still going to talk a little bit beer, and we're going to talk a little bit about film, but we're also going to talk a little more, you know, personal to them. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about the beers we're drinking. So if they would like to go first, they can, or Adam, or I'm ready as well. I say I think we have to go uh, by by ABV on this round. So Brigitte, I believe uh, <laughs> one last round. So you, you go. One last round. So you get to go first. Okay. Okay. Actually, you know, I downgrade a little bit on the ABV. You know, take a palate cleanser in between. <laughs> but uh, so I'm having a, a Kolsch. It's a cold bear, please, Florida Kolsch by Ivanhoe Park Brewing. This is hyperlocal. This is uh, Orlando, Florida beer. It's uh, low low ABV. It's only five percent. You know, yeah, that's a good walking around beer. Take a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice and refreshing on the palate, so I'm good to go. <laughs> Coach in Florida sounds really good. Yes, <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Fall, fall is here though, so I'm ready for the stouts, you know, the porters and the heavier ones. But you know, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eric, well, how about yourself? I think I up mine, so I'm having the. New Belgium and Il Sharpton's Piano Keys. Oh, okay. Ooh. Okay. Imperial Stout. Uh, let's see. ABV is 10. Oh. <laughs> I've definitely yeah. stepped it up. Yeah. New leader in the clubhouse. You win. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely went down, but I, I, I stayed local. I'm out of... Um, I'm, I'm out of barrel and flow beers, but I just stayed local to breweries. I have the North Country brewing company field notes and it's their Oktoberfest. i figure also try to keep it timely you know we, we didn't do an actual Oktoberfest episode this year but yeah i'll drink some Oktoberfest beers <laughs> as much as we tried to 
<laughs> we just had other beers that were new for us to drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, new we had new Glarus. I'm going to put that, that over Oktoberfest. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, this one is really good as well. It has a bit of an extra fruity notes to it. Like it's, it's a little more sweet and a little more fruity than the other Oktoberfest we've been drinking lately. Um, especially like last week's last week's was very just down the middle, you know, mm. everything Oktoberfest. This one's a little sweeter, a little more fruity, but otherwise it's also just a really good beer. So yeah, enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so for myself, I also stayed uh, in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, I went with uh, Alter Genius. Uh, I went with their, their doll, mm. which is a, Peach uh, Chipotle Saison. Uh, shout out to Tom for uh, hooking us up with this beer. By the way, Steve, I've got some for you. I've heard. So <laughs> next time you come over, I've got beers for you to walk away with. Great. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, in terms of numbers, uh, 5.5% ABV, 20 IBUs. Uh, it does have a little bit of a, a peppery taste to it, but it is certainly not a pepper bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to be hurting with this one, but if you like a decent pepper flavor to go along with it, yeah, yeah, this is this is a good one to kind of ease somebody into pepper beers. Interesting. That's something I something I would be into, being that we already made a peach wheat pepper beer for the summer. So, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, the one thing that I might be, be a bit hesitant that. hesitant for you, it is a saison. Hmm. We'll see. And it does. I, I, I like saison. I'm trying to picture what is it? The peach. Um, what is it again? It is a, a peach chipotle saison. Yeah, trying to see and picture myself, you know, how it doesn't taste. I like saisons. Yes. Yeah. Hey, we'll see. <laughs> I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, also, I think I don't know if I said the ABV on mine, but it's five nine. So Aaron definitely wins. <laughs> yes, that's right. So you get to go first next round. Yeah. All right, we'll do. <laughs> uh, with that in mind, though, let's just move into segment two and get to learn Brigitte and Aaron a little bit more. Uh, obviously, if you read Aaron's bio, it says you've been in the filmmaking for twenty years, but it doesn't say how you got into filmmaking. So, can you tell me a little bit more, like your history of how you got into filmmaking? So, basically, I started. I'll, I'll give you the the short version. Otherwise, we'll be here for four more episodes. <laughs> but um, I started out in college as a computer engineering student, and the goal was kind of in a roundabout way to possibly work in special effects at some point. Okay. I was always enamored with, you know, Lucasfilm, Amblin Entertainment, all this stuff that, that they produce special effects, you know, lightsabers, DeLorean, you know, all that stuff, just dinosaurs. Like, are you kidding me? It's just great. But, you know, but I figured I might end up in that business at some point, but I kind of fell in love with more of the creative above the line where like the acting side of things and um, decided that I wanted to leave engineering school and go to film school. Mm-hmm. And since there's a well-known like technical, technical uh, film production program here in Orlando at Valencia college, that's where I ended up. So it was a short drive from Melbourne because I was at a uh, Florida tech, for a few years and then I left there and I went to came to Orlando that's where we are now um, and went to Valencia to learn everything I could about 
lighting, camera, how to be a good production assistant, some audio stuff, a little bit of editing, but editing systems were very different at the time. We're talking 97, 98, 99. Ooh. So yeah, that's a while back. I'm giving away it's my age. Yeah, this is when this is when film was still the way to go and digital video was kind of starting to come out and super eight millimeter tape was the rage. Mm-hmm. Um so you would still edit on these expensive avid machines or you would do like linear editing on tape decks. So if you made a mistake, you got to go all the way to the beginning. So that's kind of where I was at, you know, at the time. And, and I, I was really interested in learning about as much as I could. So, like I said, all about lights, you know, how, how, it, you know, how you add light, how you take away light, color, exposure, framing, Watched a lot of movies, studied a lot of directors, both from the States and Europe and Asia, and um, just figured that I would kind of learn as I went along. Um, you know, uh, Robert Rodriguez, the the famous uh, Mexican-American director, he uh, released a book called Rebel Without a Crew mm-hmm. back in the late 90s, right after he he became this huge success with the $7,000 16-millimeter film that he did called El Mariachi. Mm-hmm. So that book, that book kind of changed the rest of my life as in terms of being a filmmaker and, and being resourceful and not having to lean on, on, on too many people to make a movie and kind of trusting in your own style that you would develop. You don't need necessarily... Um, movie experience, but you needed experience in movies. So you didn't need to learn how others make films. You can study them, but the more you did your own thing, just grab the camera and went and shot and learn how to stitch it together and learn how to structure story and do it on the cheap. That's how you would kind of turn yourself into a filmmaker. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did, you know, right out, you know, during film school and right out of film school. And, and I just started making documentaries after a while because I, it was kind of a noble thing to do. I real, you know, I, I realized how documentaries could affect change, and how they could kind of help marginalized group, you know, give amplify voices of people whose voices are silent and whatnot. Um, and it was also something that you could fund a lot more easily than a narrative film, because with a narrative film, even though you had a small crew, you still needed actors. Right. So I need a writer, a producer, a shooter. So your crew wasn't necessarily super small, com- you know, compared to like a doc. So that's kind of how I landed in, you know, doing docs, you know, over time, I just started doing them. Right on. Uh, yeah. I freelanced around town doing corporate work, um, commercials, nonprofit stuff. And then, then, then slowly started making my own films. And, and here we are about 20, 20, roughly 20 years later. Nice. What was, what I, was the first documentary I, that was, that was yours? So I did a short documentary called The Groveland Four back in 2003. I would say that's like my first official short documentary that we did about four black uh, boys that were falsely accused way back when, before civil rights movement started here in Groveland, Florida, because a white woman said that they had been raped by these four men. She, she was having issues with her husband. She stormed off. And police caught up with her and she said, I was raped by four black men. And then all of a sudden, you know, wild, wild goose chase, 
kids, you know, people were shot, killed, incarcerated, wrongfully so, all white jury, convicted folks to death. All, I mean, it was a, just this big thing um, back in the Jesus Christ, I'm going to get this wrong, 50s, 50s, 60s, I don't remember the exact time. It's been a long time. But I think recently, remind me if I'm, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they were finally exonerated, I believe. Yeah, I think a few years ago. A few years ago, they were finally exonerated, and they're all dead. Oh, wow. Uh, it's all posthumous. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yep. And then there was a, there was a feature-length <laughs> TV doc that was produced about the same story. Um, but that was, that, that was my first kind of foray into directing a non-corporate or non-profit video, mm-hmm. shall we say, you know? A film that was yours and yours alone, essentially. Well, yeah. Yeah, something that you would watch at a festival or watch it on TV, and it wasn't necessarily something that wasn't a fluff piece. It was something with a narrative structure. Mm-hmm. It, awesome. was, it was real. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. You yeah. Will, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a real story, and that's a real rough story, too. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Brigitte, how did he bring you into filmmaking, though? When we got married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So obviously he's a filmmaker in the family. I mean, my role is more that of a, a producer, production assistant, um, web designer. Uh, you know, that's what I take on. Anything, you know, we need help with. Obviously, it's mostly the two of us. We do have other people that uh, we do bring in, um, you know, sometimes to help us with the production. But uh, most of the time, it's just the two of us. So, I mean, people have seen me walk around, you know, with a, ca- with a camera, with a stabilizer, you know, especially around Fresh Fest. They, <laughs> people saw me at the last one and said, oh, I remember you. You were the one that was walking around the whole time, you know, with your phone and <laughs> on there because anything that needs to be done, I'll jump in. But, yeah, my role is more that of a producer. And I, I have learned, you know, along the years a lot from Aaron as well. Uh, maybe one day I'll make my own uh, movie and you can assist me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hey, I mean, if you have an idea and you have a story that you want to follow, it's, it's, you know, you already know how to, you know how to do it and you know who to go to, to help you. <laughs> I, I think she's being, she's being modest. I mean, she's, uh, she's definitely an inspiration to me and definitely more, more than just a production assistant and a producer. She also, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do that we're able to self fund mm-hmm. she helps a lot with that. And definitely with, with concrete ideas and, and a lot of on the ground logistical work, which is a hundred times more than just a PA would do, mm-hmm. you know? So well, thank you. <laughs> she's definitely, you know, the, the one half of what we like to call two hands, 20 fingers. Mm-hmm. That's our, that's our team. Yeah. So, and yes, we do, we do bring on um, help because yeah. film, film doesn't need to be collaborative. That's what Rodriguez says. But it is collaborative because he understands that too. Right. Difference is he likes to do a lot of his own things on his films and that's fine, but you have to still bring in other people. Yeah. So we end up bringing in extra shooters and sometimes co-editors, co-producers, co-financiers, audio people, color graders, motion graphic mm-hmm. artists to, you know, to, to give it that extra 15, 20% that you really, you really should do. Yeah. And right. I, I, I have to say that, I mean, we do balance each other out. Right. So, I mean, as a, editor, producer, director, everything that he does, um, you need some of that balance, right? Because if you're, if he, when he's just focused, right, I do bring in a different point of view and also have to say sometimes, hey, step away, you know, and uh, let's go do something else and then come back to it. 
because you might see things differently, right? Mm-hmm. Or she says that just doesn't work, and then we yeah. fight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if it was part of uh, Robert Rodriguez's book, but there was always kind of the, the mantra when I went to film school of like, you have to be willing to kill your babies. And if you have like some favorite shot or scene or something that you really love, but it just doesn't work, you have to be willing to get rid of it. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's, that was true, especially, I mean, we've been doing this for four years, right? This film, we have so much footage. We have so much mm-hmm. footage, right? So, I mean, that the, the Obviously, there came a point where we had to focus a little bit more, and you have to drop some scenes and some people, unfortunately, right, from the film, because otherwise it would be, would be like two hours long. Two hours long. I mean, you have to be very special to get a two-hour film on Netflix, right? Right. Like a lot of people do, but <laughs> for us, you know, normal people, it's it's too long, like a two-hour. Yeah, and, and even the first cut that we that we demoed at the Crafted for Action conference in in Atlanta back mm-hmm. in May was an hour and fifty-three minutes. That yeah. was the first cut, mm-hmm. and and what you guys saw was the finished festival cut, which is mm-hmm. twenty-five minutes shorter. Right on. Yeah. Just imagine what what all was in there that that didn't really add much. And maybe it added here and there, but it made the film. I think it makes the film more approachable at a shorter runtime. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You don't yeah. you don't lose the essence of what it's trying to do. Right. But it takes yeah, killing killing a lot of babies and. And leaving out a lot of scenes where you're like, oh man, that would have been so nice. I've got to cut that. Right. Yeah. And, Can you and, tell us one or two of those scenes? So sure. So without giving any names, there there were a few. So so I'll, I'll step it back just a little bit more so to give you some extra context, real quick. So originally, when the project began it was going to be a little bit broader. So it was going to be a little bit more about women brewers who are considered minorities in the beer industry and ethnic minority brewers, which could be, you know, Hispanic, Latinx, Black, Asian, throughout the casting process and and the way the stories were kind of just panning out on their own, we had to just kind of remove the folks that made it more of a broader women and minority story and, and thus allowed us to make it more of the black experience because those were the, just the stronger stories that we, we ended up with. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it wasn't personal to anyone that we cut out. It's just when you, you have, when you invest this much time, again, energy and money into a project, you have to make sure you put out the best film because the audiences are only going to warm up to what you present to them. Right. They're not going to know there were all these other things that could have made the film great or worse or whatever. So you got to make sure you give them your best foot forward. And all this other stuff around it wasn't, it was kind of blocking that passageway so to speak so we had to start chopping people and 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 i feel bad because some of them were were with us from the very beginning when we were shooting and and it's kind of it's unfortunate but it it is what it is and and we, we often tell people that we're filming hey 
this may not make it into the film. I hope you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Can you please sign off on this release? And they're like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. hopefully they're, they won't be hurt when they realized (laughs) you got left on the floor. Sorry. With with that though, I mean, it's because you were able to focus, uh, narrow the focus so much to, you know, the black experience with this film. Do you see opportunity in the future? If you really wanted to, you could follow up on those stories of women and other ethnicities. Correct. So, um, kind of like a hint, hint, but, not much yeah, of a hint. I don't want to put uh, too much, you know. Hey, but yeah, we're, want to reveal. Don't hit too much. We're <laughs> trying to turn the doc. We use the doc as a catalyst for that kind of series, right? Where we can give because we we realize there are tons of amazing stories out there. Um, you know. LGBTQ stories, mm-hmm. Native American, like, you know, there was one point where I really wanted to include bow and arrow in the film, but that didn't work out. Um, just, I know that there's a way that we could have kind of like this Anthony Bourdain style, you know, traverse across the U S and tell all these incredible stories in beverage. Oh, for sure. Not but- even here could be beer, spirits, wine, you know, just kind of a combination and just this greater celebration of women and minorities at, at all levels of the beverage industry. You yeah. know, that's kind of what we're hoping to, to do. That's post 2022, once the film really gains its footing. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we get a deal and that kind of sparks, you know, some ideas in terms of, hey, you know, we would like to do this moving forward as a, as a next project. We would mm-hmm. want to we would want to be able to continue to tell these types of stories because we enjoy drinking you know, <laughs> and making friends. And, and you know, it's, it's one of the great pleasures in life, man, yeah. you know, just food and drink. So why not? Yeah, but not only that, right? Because, I mean, sorry to interrupt you. I mean, the whole diversity and inclusion subject, right, as far as women and minorities in the industry, uh, it's so much broader than that. And uh, as we say in the movie, um, less than one percent right is um are owned by um black people in this industry and the more i think it's going to stay around one percent because more breweries open every day right owned by non um minority people Mm -hmm. so um yeah i think the stories are going to be there to be told and i mean our goal is to to help to help the cause basically you know help 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 it you know, patrons coming into the breweries, people on the other side making the beer, distributing the beer. I think there's room for everyone in the industry. Yeah. And, and even if representation does come for the black community, that doesn't necessarily mean representation for everybody. So it, it, there's still, you know, work that can be done all throughout. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you mentioned you uh, just to uh, do a little side turn a little bit, but like you mentioned, you know, drinking is a big part of this and it's a lot of fun. But uh, I just kind of want to know how you guys actually got into craft beer. Like, what drew you in? And, uh, you know, what brought you to that? And what breweries really brought you in as well? Well, this is one of my favorite stories because this is like the catalyst for the project. Um, Back in 2013, we spent um, New Year's in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I had some kind of craft beer that I did not know 
I did not recognize on the menu the brand. I, I just had no clue what the hell it was, but it was great. <laughs> and I and I decided, okay, I'm gonna keep trying whatever this is moving forward. And a few months later, we landed in Asheville. It was just kind of one of those. Ooh, uh, oh my! <laughs> one, one of those like early spring trips where it's like, well, I have some time off. <clears throat> Let's take a dart, throw it, see where it lands. And I remember a, a, a friend of mine um, had recently been there and had posted a bunch of great photos on Facebook. So, oh, you got to go, you got to go. So, so, okay. And, you know, we also read what we drove up. So we also read that it had been recently crowned uh, Beer City USA. So we're like, okay. You know, there's there's things to drink, things to eat. Yeah, <laughs> lots to do. <laughs> and, and we went to uh, this Italian restaurant. I forget the name of it right now. Um, but it was the first time that I had a flight of beer. Didn't know you could have samples. Excuse me? Not Catawba beer? For sure yeah, that. but the, the restaurant, I, I forget oh, the name. Yeah. So I had this cream ale from Catawba Brewing called Farmer Ted's Cream Ale. Okay. It was, it was it was like subtle and sweet and just so silky. And I swear to God, that beer literally changed my life. Mm. As, as a beer consumer moving forward, that was the one that did it for me. Like folks like yourselves, I'm sure you, you have that aha from, yeah. from, from oh, the yeah. craft beer. Like a yeah. lot of yeah. people say, oh, I had a Sierra Nevada or I had a Brooklyn Brewery Lager or whatever it is. Or, no. Farmer Catawba Brewing Farmer Ted's Cream Ale, not the best beer by any measure, mm -hmm. but at that time, seven years ago, it was amazing. Right. And and from that point forward, like during the rest of the trip, I was like, oh, we got to go to breweries. We, just started, going. <laughs> so we, started, going, we started jumping around breweries. And in 2017, they didn't have as many as they do now, but they had a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've been around the south quite a bit and back to Asheville quite a few times um as as recently as last thanksgiving yeah, yeah, yeah. thanksgiving yeah. last year when it was super cold and and covid was <laughs> right. we still wanted to get that good good man mm -hmm. it was yeah that's uh that's kind of how it happened and and then just over time because, we we, we just, we just were, right Huh? It just grew from there. And yeah, it just grew everywhere yeah. we went. It's like, oh, where, where, where's a brewery? Where's the, yeah, the yeah. nearest macro brewery or nano it, brewery? It, it's more like, hey, Google, okay, show me the nearest brewery. <laughs> the nearest brewery goes by, and then we just go. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and we, you know, meet new people and yeah. drink new things, and it was a, an adventure every time. And and, and that's kind of how, how I fell in love with it, and I, I think more so than, than her, but still, she, she loves it still. <laughs> um, and at some point, I, I can't put a finger on when, but I just started paying more attention to my surroundings in tap rooms and realizing that, you know, we were kind of the only people of color in tap rooms, mm -hmm. typically or among the very few. And and no one was treating us poorly, per se. It was just a weird feeling. Right. And and, and that's kind of when the documentary filmmaker in me was like, hmm, I wonder if there's something here to explore. So I started kind of researching a little bit about, you know, big beer versus craft beer, that whole kind of hit, you know, relationship. And then, and then, you know, a little bit of prohibition, post-prohibition, and then 
then, you know, digging for some brewer association stats wherever I can find them. And then I realized, okay, yeah, that's, that's why there's, you know, very few, and even here in Orlando and, and Tampa and St. Pete, it was like that. And I couldn't believe it. So that would, became the catalyst for one pint at a time, because when we started doing our research and we ended up communicating with, with Dave Bracey at Fresh Fest, he said to me, and he has said on multiple occasions doing interviews, I started this festival because I was sick and tired of being the only black person in the room. Mm -hmm. so, and, and so I told him, okay, I'm making this film because I'm sick and tired of being <laughs> one of the only brown people in tap rooms. Right. So we kind of meshed in that sense. So, yeah, that's, that's the story. That's the story of how we got into beer mm -hmm. and how this, this new baby of ours came to be. Right on. Yeah. So thank you to Kataba uh, for making that, that cream ale. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> what do we have? We have all the other great stuff that they make. Yeah, We had their white zombie on our show mm. years ago, I think. Mm. Yeah. 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 So yeah. That's a good that's a good beer for drinking on the beach. Yeah. We're fam we're familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that it is cool when you just like have that aha moment that just draws you in and you go, "Oh, like things can taste a little bit different." <laughs> I can enjoy this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm not just drinking this cuz I'm in a parking lot, you know, <laughs> waiting for a concert to start or some shit. <laughs> you know, you know, I, mean, I still do it as a craft beer, so yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I turned into a mo I would say a moderate beer nerd because I, I feel like the real ones um, and nerds are sexy, so don't kid yourself. Oh. Um, <laughs> they really know like the hops and the temperatures and the dry hop this and that. And I, yeah. it's like I don't know any of that, but I tell you, man, if that thing tastes good, I'm buying it. <laughs> and, hey, come sit down. Let's let's talk. You know, let's just. Yeah. That's, a, that's all. That's all you really need, though. Is like, does it taste good? You know, are yeah. my biggest problem with like macro beer was it didn't taste good to me, and then I found something that tasted good, and I was like, oh wait, not all beer has to be bad, and then I got and into. Here's the other problem: a lot of the smaller batch beer just flat out tastes good. Mm -hmm. so, so at some point, how do you choose? Yeah. How yeah. do you choose? Because you guys have great beer over there. We have great beer here too. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when do you just say, okay, this is the best beer compared to the other beer? Right. I don't know. It's hard. It's I don't think you choose. You end up like us. So we have this corner in the living room. We have a mini bottle shop or... We have like spirit, spirits and beer, beer, here, beer. beer yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where we pull this stuff beer from. And, yeah, I'm telling you. You don't choose, you don't choose. No, you don't choose. I, I, I think like there's, there, I, I have like maybe five or 10 beers that I consider like top, top tier beers but other than that i'm just kind of trying everything you know as it mm -hmm. comes by you know and that's what you just do with your life you get something new every time and it's fun yeah i i i can probably count on one hand the number of times i've had repeat beers in the last six months yeah just keep <laughs> trying something new something different every time yeah. you must have some favorites though right? oh absolutely oh yeah mm -hmm. 
Yeah, those repeats have been repeated more than once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the repeats get repeated a lot. <laughs> but they're few and far between. But nice. uh one quick question before we go back to the beers that we're drinking. With all the time that you spent with brewers, have you actually considered doing any home brewing or have you done some home brewing? So that's a negator. <laughs> And I kind of feel bad about it because one of one of our mutual best friends gave me like the home brewing kit for Christmas, mm-hmm. I think like two years ago or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's still sitting there unopened and I feel bad. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, what, tur- what, what turned me off from doing it is I realized how much of just glorified janitorial work it really is. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's definitely a great deal of, of artistry and chemistry. I, mm-hmm. I, get, I get it. But holy crap, three quarters of the time, you're just cleaning <laughs> and disinfecting and, and moving something over here and connecting and hoisting. And I, I get sometimes how some of these brewers are super fit. And they yeah. can lay off the beer, which they tend to do because it's like, why, why bother drinking so much of it? Because I work in it. And they're just like, they move around it swiftly and do it. And it's, and it's, a, it's just great to watch when, when, you know, when you do get to kind of observe it. But so much cleaning, <laughs> so much disinfecting. No lies were told. <laughs> if, if you miss that one tube, you know, you you risk whatever bacteria or whatever yeah, might. Yeah. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? Infections, off flavors, who knows what? Yep. And 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 I honestly, the other thing too is, ironically, okay, four years it took to make this film, but I don't typically have patience. <laughs> I had to have patience with this project, but I typically don't have patience, and you. It's also a lot of sitting and waiting around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, that's totally fine. I get that. If you if this is your patience project, if your film is your patience project, you want other things to come at you as quickly as possible. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to sit around for a month waiting for your beer to <laughs> find out whether or not it's infected or not. <laughs> but I will open that kit. I'm telling you, I have to. We're going to check try, in in six try. months. Yeah. We'll just have to replace some ingredients. Maybe when we come back from the premiere, I'll just open it. Or maybe just buy a new one and throw that one out because it's probably old right now. <laughs> uh, open it and, and make it. It's like yeah. a peanut butter stout or something. That you yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, try try you it go. once. See if you like it. If not, you know, sell it on the marketplace on Facebook. <laughs> there, but there, uh, you know, there's a number of the folks that ended up helping us as associate producers and shooters. They definitely do a lot of homebrewing oh, yeah. collabs and whatnot I, 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 they're more in tune with that yeah i feel like a lot of people are just always in like if you're kind of in the craft beer you you usually dabble and do like one batch you know and then you see if you're really into it from there because again all that mm. cleaning and all that <laughs> other stuff <laughs> if that's not for you nah. <laughs> it's fine but you don't have to homebrew to enjoy good beer no, you do not. And with that, let's come back to the beers we are enjoying right now. Uh, I'll start first. I'll go to my Oktoberfest field notes by North Country Brewing Company out of the uh, uh, Slippery Rock PA. It's good beer. Tastes like an Oktoberfest. Like I said, it's a little bit sweeter and it's a little bit fruitier, but otherwise it's Oktoberfest. Raise a pint of it. You can raise a stein of it. You can do whatever you want with it. It's still- but not a milk jug because that's only at Penn. 
Yeah, that's only Penn Brewery. Don't steal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, good beer. I'm enjoying it. Adam? Good. Uh, for myself, again, I had the Alter Genius, the Doll. Uh, this was their Peach Chipotle Saison. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Uh, good stuff coming out of Ambridge, PA here. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, not not a very peppery beer. It's got some pepper flavor without the pepper heat. The peach is there, especially on the backside of it. I think they, personal opinion, I, I think they released this a little too late. I think it needed to be a hot summer beer. Yeah, sounds like it. Could have been be a hot summer, summer beer. Could have, you know, yeah. stopped trying to steal from us. That's <laughs> right. But uh, all in all, yeah, good stuff from Alter Genius. Right on. Brigitte, Aaron, your beers. Well, I mean, it's, it's still baby summer in Orlando, Florida. So, you know, the coach is uh, <laughs> actually, you know, it's a little sweet, but um, yeah, it's uh, nice and crispy and it uh, goes down light enough, you know, so it's a good beer. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, this one is, it's, I think it's third iteration of the, the recipe and it's you know, chocolate and vanilla extract. You definitely get the, and I guess the vanilla on the nose, chocolate, when you taste it, um, it feels lighter than 10%. It's not definitely not boozy. Mm-hmm. And I know that in, in talking to Ale when he released it, he did say that he wanted it to be more of an accessible Imperial Stout, not something like a prairie molasses bomb. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So do yeah. my hangovers the next morning. Yeah, well... Prior double dunk will always, uh, you know, live up there. So, oh yes, it will. Exactly. <laughs> but awesome. Well, we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back segment three, and we have a little bit of a fun game planned. So, and we have more beer, and we still have Aaron and Brigitte, and Adam will join us too. So, of course, stay tuned. We'll be right back. First Sip Brew Box is a one-of-a-kind subscription service for craft beer lovers based right here in Pittsburgh. Every month, First Sip will send you a box full of craft beer enthusiast essentials, including t-shirts, glassware, and even food. Right now, our friends at First Sip Brew Box have an offer for you. Just sign up for a three-month subscription and get your fourth month free. Just enter the code HOPUSA when you sign up at firstsipbrewbox.com. That's H-O-P-U-S-A at checkout to get your fourth month free at firstsipbrewbox.com. It's segment three of episode 221 of the Hop Nation USA podcast. And it's still me, Steve. It's still Adam Adam. And it's still Aaron and Brigitte joining us all the way from Florida. That's why we're on the Zoom. But we're also all drinking beer because it's a beer podcast. We have to. We do here. It's in the contract. That's (laughs) right. uh, Yes. Aaron, you won last round with piano keys. You had 10%. So that means you go first this round. (laughs) I am moving on up with the frame barrel aged Imperial Stout, 11%. Oh, shit. God, that's got to be so good. (laughs) It is so good. It is amazing. Look at that. Awesome. We do not get enough frame out here. I imagine, if I'm guessing, you you probably got that through Tavor, I'm guessing, because right. I knew they do right. carry right. Freem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Freem is very good, and I know Tavor carries them. There's my... right. So, And Freem, if you're listening and you want to send us some beer and be featured on our show, <laughs> let us know. 
don't let don't let a silly thing like divorce stop you just send that's right direct, direct to adam's house <laughs> but uh brigitte what are you drinking so i'm having a jay wakefield hops for teacher or is it Ooh. ipa it's a five percent but it's a, that is a fantastic no IPA. actually it's uh what is the ABV on that one? Um, six. six. six it's a yeah it's good it's good i had it the first time we actually went to the brewery a few years ago and i really liked it so we did get a get a few cans so yeah no it's good i love oh. it uh adam i'm gonna let you go because i think i'm actually bottom of the barrel on abv this this round uh that i know exactly what you're drinking no you don't <laughs> yeah i do because i can see it behind you oh yeah shut up <laughs> <laughs> so uh once again staying in the pittsburgh area uh and i must apologize to the good folks of Varox if they're watching this episode but i uh i crinkled up the can before, after i poured everything up but uh, i have the Orox uh heffy uh Ooh. this yeah this is, uh, for those that don't know, Orox is Pittsburgh's only gluten-free brewery. Uh, so this is a gluten-free Hefeweizen, which is kind of an oxymoron, but not really. Uh, this is made with quinoa and millet rather than wheat. Uh, comes in with about 5% ABV, IBUs, nice and low as it should be on a heavy. Uh, yeah, tastes good. Got a good bit of sweetness to it. Uh, turns out Orox makes good beers. Is it more banana or clove? I I would go a little bit more banana. Okay. Um, but uh, it, it has a good it beyond just the, the banana e ness of it. It's mm-hmm. got a good uh, multi sweetness to it as well. Bananery. <laughs> I I wouldn't say it's an oxymoron though, Adam, because it's called a heffy, not a heffy vison. So they didn't. That is correct. Wheat. There's no wheat. <laughs> That's right. And they were very deliberate to call it just heffy yeah. rather than hefeweizen. No wheat, no wheat in the gluten free beer. And the beer right. isn't heffy either. For myself, though, I am drinking Before Swine, which is a beer by Necromancer. If you heard them two episodes ago, I'm still drinking more Necromancer because I like, like Necromancer a lot. Uh, the Pearl beer, though, is an interesting beer because it's not—it's a—it's an Ingr- English ale that is traditionally not hopped at all. My kind of beer. Yeah, it is made licorice. Yeah, it's made. It, 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 wow. Yeah, we it's made. Love licorice. You would love this beer, though. Yeah, we were also Dutch, right? So we grew up eating licorice, like Dutch licorice. Mm-hmm. Non-stop. You, <laughs> you would love this beer, then, because it is very, very licorice-heavy, especially now. Like, when we when we first tried it, it was um, almost more like root beer. But I think now that it's aged a little bit, it's super licorice-heavy. And it's made with uh, aniseed. And traditionally, it was made with wormwood, similar to absinthe. But you can't do that in beer in America, so they just stuck with aniseed. <laughs> but I, I'm just looking at that branding, and I can just imagine like what the swag must be like, and like the brewery and, and it's inside. all good. Especially Halloween season, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. The the artist behind all of their can art and labeling is top notch, absolutely top notch. Yeah, it, it's all it's all on point. It's all the same kind of black and uh, black and purple. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a they're they're a brand new brewery more or less because they opened in 2020 in Pittsburgh. Okay, and then um, well no, they opened in 21. 
Oh, oh yeah, they did open. In yeah, the, yeah. This is a whole new year. We've been in it for nine months. Yeah, shut up. Feels <laughs> <laughs> longer than that, but it's- yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they open in twenty one, but uh, yeah, they are. Um, they their main thing is because they're called Necromancer. They resurrect a bunch of old styles like this beer. So this is like a very old style beer that doesn't get brewed anywhere, but they, uh, Lauren, the head brewer, she's very interested in this and she found this old recipe and resurrected it. And it's different than anything else you'll ever taste. And if you're really into licorice, you'll love it. And if you hate licorice, no, no, stay away. <laughs> I also like Jaeger. So I'm sure I'll like that beer. Well, oh. the, the, the head brewer is a female, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, they have an event coming up um for three rivers beer week called brave noise which is a bit of a collaboration beer that is brewed in collaboration with um everything that went on with that rat magnet instagram and and, uh brianne from notch brewing who put forth all those sexual abuse allegations Mm -hmm. uh they have a collaboration out coming called uh it's called like the brave noise collaboration and it's meant to uh in support of that in response to all of that uh that'll be coming up next week which is three rivers beer week yeah i believe so yeah so check that out but also just check out necromancer in general because they make a lot of good beers and they obviously make a lot of old styles you won't find elsewhere but not old style we checked but they don't make old style yes (laughs) (laughs) with that though get some candles from pittsburgh like a box of candles you could Mm-hmm. You could. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> you could get a box candles of candles. Running? Yeah, you get a box of candles. Yeah. <laughs> Intracoastal makes candles, don't they? <laughs> oh, man. They're really bright ones, too. They smell good. They last long. They make donut smelling candles. I'm into that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. We can talk after. Yes. About candle swaps. <laughs> In the meantime, though. It's time for a game, and that game is a quiz, and that quiz is all about beer and film, because why wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. The quiz is, very, uh, quiz is very simple. I'll ask you a question. If you can answer the question without uh, using your multiple choice, you'll get two points. If you can answer it with multiple choice, you get one point. We'll go around twice. It's everybody against everybody. So it's Adam versus Brigitte versus Aaron. No teams. And at the very end, I have a big end of the quiz question. And hopefully somebody can come back if they need to. With that, though, Aaron, I'm going to go with you to start because you won two rounds of who has the highest ABV. So I'm going to start with your question first. According to IMDb, what is Garrett Oliver's earliest film or TV credit? God, <laughs> this is the easy round, right? Sure. This is the easy round. Sure. Uh, I'm going to guess something having to do with the history of beer on the History Channel or Annie. I'm not. You, you can sure take. You can take a multiple choice. Sure. Yeah. So your multiple choice is A. Beer Wars. B. American Beer. C, Iron Chef America, or D, One Pint at a Time? His earliest so, IMDb credit. So it'll be, okay, can you give me the options again? A, Beer Wars, B, American Beer, C, Iron Chef America, D, One Pint at a Time. 
So I'm going to go with American Beer B. That is correct. One point. Uh, American Beer came out in 2004. Beer Wars is 2009. Iron Chef America was 2008. It's pretty cool, though. They made it to One point at a time will be 2021. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Aaron's on the board with one point. Brigitte, I'm going to go to you. Your question is, alongside Namaste Solar and DP Construction, what brewery was featured in the 2012 documentary, We the Owners? Can you repeat the question? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Alongside Namaste Solar and DPR Construction, what brewery was featured in the 2012 documentary, We the Owners? Your choices are New Belgium, Green Flash, Anheuser-Busch, or The Alchemist? Hmm. Easy round, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The Alchemist. Wow. Ooh, sorry. That is incorrect. All right. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? Well, Adam gets a chance to steal. Oh, uh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your option. Yeah. So I, uh, I have no idea. So I'm going to take a flyer. I'll say Green Flash. That is also incorrect. Back around mm-hmm. to Aaron. My choice is Anheuser Busch. Ooh, also incorrect. no points that round we the owners was a a documentary film about employee owners so new belgium is the only uh, brewery on that list that has employee owners because they had they were able to buy in and then namaste solar and the dpr construction were also companies that had employee ownership programs so (laughs) there you go Adam. Yes. This is your question. The 2013 film Drinking Buddies stars Olivia Wilde and Jake Johnson working in a brewery. What popular brewery was this filmed in? <laughs> I don't even know one of the actors that you discussed. Um, I Give me the options. Is it Stone, Revolution, Cigar City, or Rodman's? It's not Rodman's. <laughs> And I hate that I know that. <laughs> uh, I'll say Cigar City. Incorrect. <clears throat> Aaron, your your uh, chance to steal. <clears throat> what are what are the, the options again? The remaining options are Stone, Revolution, and Rodman's. Stone. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Brigitte, your chance to steal. Is it Revolution? <laughs> It is revolution. (laughs) Chance for a bonus point, though. Okay. What is the name of the brewery in the film? Oh. Oh, good God. Drinking buddies. Choices? No choices? No choices. Neither get it, you don't. No stealing either. (laughs) I don't know. It is still revolution. It was just a film based on revolution. Oh. Refund. Do you do quiz nights at breweries? All right. Well, I believe that brings us back to Aaron. We were winning them. 
No, no, Aaron, it's, it's everyone for themselves. Yeah. Aaron has one point. Brigitte has one point. Adam has oh. no points. We are winning. That's yeah. right. So, <laughs> you're winning because you're tied. That's right. <laughs> All right, Aaron, this is your question. In the 1981 film, Take This Job and Shove It, Frank Macklin returns to his hometown to save its brewery. The film stars Robert Hayes of Airplane and Art Carney of The Honeymooners and is the first on-screen appearance for this. Multiple choice, man. Is it A, a car that can drive on land and water, B, a Guinness Stout, C, a monster truck, or D, a Randall? A Randall. That is incorrect. I'm sorry. Brigitte, your chance to steal. Okay. So take this job and shove it, right? Yep. And then what makes an appearance? It's, it's the first appearance of this thing in the 1981 film. So is it a car that can drive on land and water, a Guinness Stout, or a monster truck? Guinness Stout. That is incorrect. Adam, your chance for points. I'm trying to remember which Bond film it was that had the Aston Martin that was both land and sea. And I'm trying to remember if that was in the 70s or the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. So I'm going to say monster me. truck. I'm, I'm going monster truck. And Adam gets a point. Yes. Oh. All right. Yes. <laughs> Bonus round. Mm-hmm. What truck was it? Well, I've got three options. This is 1981. Mm-hmm. So it's either USA one, barefoot, or Bigfoot. What? So I'm going to go with the classic Bigfoot. It is Bigfoot. Oh, yes. man. Is it... That's why I gave that question to Aaron because I didn't want to give it to Adam. He would get it right away. <laughs> yeah, we don't well, know. Fine. Blame it on yeah. the <laughs> Brigitte, back around to you. All right. The 2011 film The Dish and the Spoon stars Oscar-nominated Greta Gerwig as a woman driving to Delaware to confront her husband's mistress. Who plays the brewery owner? The dish and the spoon. <laughs> 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 All right, what are my options? Your options are Jim Cook, Tom Glover, Kelsey Grammer, and Sam Calagione. <laughs> I don't know. Kelsey Grammer, because he's the only one I know. That is incorrect. I'm sorry. Adam? What are my options again? Jim Cook, Tom Glover, and Sam Calagione or Calagione or Calazone, as I like to say a lot on this show. <laughs> I'll just say, I'll say uh, Mr. Calazone. Sam Calagione. It is Sam Calazone. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the hint in there was she was driving to Delaware. So, uh, yeah. Dogfish. Dogfish. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adam. Your question. The 2019 film, The Beer Jesus of America, is about Greg Cook and Stone <laughs> trying to open a brewery in what city? I'm going to need some options. Is it Beijing, Rome, Berlin, or San Diego? I'll say Beijing. Incorrect. Oh. you, Aaron. Berlin. Yeah. Aaron's got another point. Bonus round. What's the status of that brewery? Not open. Yep. 
<laughs> Another point for Aaron. <laughs> it's okay. He wins. I win. <laughs> and the only reason, and and and, and I, full disclosure, the only reason I know this because that is one of the comparables that I researched while we were doing mm-hmm. this film. Yeah. Something yeah. that had gotten onto Amazon was out there. Had done the, a little bit of the festival circuit. You know, had featured. A, yeah. Well-known brewery. So when right. you said beauties of America, I was like, oh, I know. It should have been my turn. But yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> See, Adam, that's why you got that question, because yep. I knew they probably would have known. That. Uh, yes, the Berlin Stone Brewery is yeah. closed and was sold off to BrewDog. So, so much for that. That means going into the final round, Aaron has three points, Brigitte has one point, and Adam has three points. We are going to go to the final question which is take the number of beers in the 2021 Barrel and Flow collab Tavor order plus the number of Black-owned breweries in PA times the number of IMDB credits that Dennis from First Sip has. (sighs) (laughs) So add the beers to the breweries first and then multiply it by Dennis's IMDB credits. Is it like who gets the closest? Yeah, it's it's prices right rules. If you if you right. go over, so, so give me again. So the amount of beers in the Tavor pack, right? The number of beers in the twenty twenty one Barrel and Flow collab, plus the number of black owned breweries in PA, times the number of IMDb credits Dennis has. I'm going with fifteen. Okay, Brigitte. Twenty five. Adam. Thirty. Okay, so the number of beers in the 2021 Barrel and Flow collab to Vorpak is 16, plus the number of black-owned breweries in PA is three. That brings you to 19 times the number of IMDb credits Dennis has, which is one. Mm. It stays at 19. Aaron has one (laughs) with 15. (laughs) He did not go over. Is, is that one credit our film? It is. That's what I thought. Yep. Dennis, Dennis L. Guy, associate producer of One Pint at a Time. That's right. One pint at a time. We will win the competition. <laughs> you know, for a second there, I thought you said Pittsburgh. Black owned in Pittsburgh. I was like, zero. And then I was like, oh, he yep. said Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah yeah we have harris brothers uh two locals and mac brewing all, all yeah. looking for space yeah. Yeah. hopefully they get it but uh yep aaron wins our game for the week uh your your possible win is candles maybe i don't know stickers <laughs> stickers both. yeah stickers when we send you candles but <laughs> congratulations to aaron i will take a can of the you know the before sign the candle of the first one. The necromancer sense. Honestly, thank God I, for editing. I'll, I'll I'll look to see if there's uh I'll look to see if we can get any. But it's um yeah, this came out a couple of weeks ago and it, it kind of went quick. So I'll see if we can still find some. But yeah, maybe you can get a candle. <laughs> if you need to edit this out, we do have a FedEx account if need be. So cool, you cool, don't cool. have to use it. <laughs> no, no. See, this isn't Facebook. We can really say whatever we want, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, with that though, let's come back to the beers that we drank and then, uh, we can go around the horn of what beers we enjoyed. I enjoyed this before swine that we were just talking about by Necromancer. 
if you don't love licorice, stay away. I love licorice just enough. <laughs> like I, I like Ouzo and I like uh, Plinkovac. I like those kind of flavors. Um, I don't completely love Jaeger like Aaron does. Uh, but if Aaron loves Jaeger, this is 4% Jaeger. So he'll enjoy the hell out of this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, otherwise good beer and it, you know, it's well constructed and it's very flavorful. So obviously it does what it's supposed to do. And I like it. Adam. So uh, going back with this, this Orox, this Heffy, I think I had to go with that one as my number one, simply because it's a gluten-free Heffy, not a half of Eisen, a Heffy. But mm-hmm. the simple fact that they're able to bring that flavor to, to those that uh, are gluten intolerant, I, I find that fantastic because that is a great, a great beer style that honestly it needs more love. And those that, that aren't able to access it uh, due to gluten intolerance, it's great that they have that option now. So shout out to Orox on that one. Yeah, always interesting what they can pull out of like thin air, you know, basically because they they, mm-hmm. they, they got to make it as they go. Being that I think there there's still less than ten gluten free breweries in the country, so they can they gotta they can make it up as they go. But when they hit it, boy, do they hit it! They hit it absolutely. Yeah, uh, Aaron and Brigitte, let's go back to your beers. So mine is a, a bourbon barrel aged imperial stout. I just it's such a beautifully caramel and I, I get some notes of cherry or something in there but it mm. just is such a gorgeous beautiful beer to drink jealousy <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know about my wife over here she's looking at me like you know hey <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> oh, yeah so right now I'm, i i am having the i'd say new england um ipa Hotspot teacher by Jay Wakefield from Miami, but I really enjoyed the donuts and bacon one from Intercoastal from earlier. I can do only one though, <laughs> but um, no, I really like that one. You can really taste the the bacon and the donuts in there, and it's not too sweet, and um, it doesn't have any you know, aftertaste or anything either. So it's uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's the awesome. way a lot of dessert beers are. You can have one, but you really enjoy that one that you have. <laughs> it's like yeah. can't get yeah, too much. Yeah, don't have dessert. Have that beer. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So with that, uh, I'm just gonna let Aaron and Brigitte carry on. Uh, tell us everywhere people can find you on social media. If you have any other like screening dates, if you just have any other pr- uh, movies you want to promote on any streaming services that people can find, uh, now's your time. Go on ahead. So I would say that on all social media platforms, you can find us at the One Fine Film. That's the handle we go by. So it's face, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. Um, it's One Fine Film. And uh, we do have our own website. It's uh, onefindfilm.com. Um, film. <laughs> right? So easy to remember. We kept it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm currently in the process of updating the website so I can um, add all the screening dates we have coming up so that it's easy to find as well. And then we'll, um, you know... Um, share that information on the social media platforms as well so that you know especially if you're not in the specific city where we're um, screening but you can also watch it online most of them do have online screening of the films as well so just um yeah keep that in mind one fine films and one fine films yeah w- w- wait one point film film Film. I don't know. You, you got an S it's in the there. Beer. It's the beer. One pint film. One pint film. Always P I N T. One pint film. 
like the shirts, one pint of soda. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Eight and a half inch Tricosa will add an S. <laughs> I know, I know. But, uh, well, but yeah. it, it should be it should be up to date, you know, um, within the next two days. So we'll have a full page of where we're screening next and uh, where you can buy your tickets online as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Good to know. And you know, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, definitely try to find some place to screen this film, see it when you can. There's a lot of good Pittsburgh footage in there. You know, as if you were listening, they, the film was kind of born here in Pittsburgh at Fresh Fest to, uh, 2018. So there's a lot of goodness. And if you're at Fresh Fest, try to find yourself like I did. I didn't see myself in the footage. I didn't see you, I tried. Steve. I was looking. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. And you are, you are hard to hide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, with that, though, if you want to find us, all you have to do is search Hop Nation USA. That'll get you Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook because we keep it together the same way that One Point Film does. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to find us on any podcatcher and listen to brand new episodes every Friday, as you should, then search Hop Nation USA on Twitter. Twitter, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anything that starts in pod, ends in cast, we're on all of those. And leave a five-star review if you're on any of those platforms because... We are a six-candle show, but they only let us light five. And that's a bigger crime than Dennis not having more movie producer credits. <laughs> <laughs> But thanks again to Aaron and Brigitte for coming on the show with us. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, we really enjoyed your film. It was, uh, I can't say enough of like how refreshing it is. Cause like we've seen a lot of beer films and some of them are great. And some of them are not so great. The great ones we talk about Borden PA. <laughs> yes. The not so great ones. We don't talk about cause we're not negative like that, but this is right up there. I really enjoyed this film. It's, and I, can't say enough for anybody to go see it mm -hmm. and and it, it hit both sides those that are film aficionados like steve enjoy this film and people that are just simple beer enthusiasts like myself enjoyed it as well so it comes from from multiple angles yes good to hear well, thank you for having us yeah we appreciate it man from the bottom of our hearts and our beer glasses <laughs> that's the new cheers from the bottom of my beer glass to you <laughs> right yeah but yeah uh best of luck with the film i hope as many people get to see it as you want and uh you know i like the idea that continuing this as a series where you can follow up with the other stories that you want to mm -hmm. so best of luck to you yes. uh next week we're out of plans oops <laughs> <laughs> we had everything planned up till today and now we're done so we'll see what happens next week <laughs> oops to do <laughs> but we'll definitely have something for you next week and until then cheers cheers, cheers fellas <laughs>